Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile Essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. Come on, side, 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 side. Party people, party people, welcome to the podcast. Ed Lover got another podcast. I'm doing my thing. I got another podcast. Yeah, so hit me. <laughs> welcome to Come On the Podcast. I'm Ed Lover, and this is my podcast, my thoughts, my hopes, my dreams, and my opinions. All of that stuff rolled up into one. If you're a normal listener, to come on Sunday the podcast, then you know that I always give mad love and props and flowers to Reggie Osei, AKA Combat Jack, who really got me started in podcasting and allowed me to be on his loudspeakers network and his partner in crime, one of the creators of loudspeaker network, Chris Morrow is gonna join me here in just a few. That's if he is on time, which would be better than what I could do because normally I'm not on time. We're gonna talk about Chris's career, memories of Combat Jack, What's the future like for Loudspeakers Network? Who's on the network? What shows are on the network? How they choose shows for the network? And maybe you'll learn something about podcasting because when I first started, I knew absolutely nothing about podcasting. And it was Combat Jack who uh, taught me about podcasting. And what podcasting allows me to do is to say things uncensored and in my own way that I probably could not say on terrestrial radio. I've been doing terrestrial radio now since 1992, 93. Yeah, you know, I've had jobs and been fired, but I haven't been a lot of layover or a lot of uh, downtime in my career. It's been pretty consistent. And um, I've been extremely lucky because I've only worked in major cities. So it was from New York for a long time to LA, back to New York, to part-time between Philly. I was doing Philly and New York at the same, at one time, to Atlanta, to Chicago. Those are all major, major cities. And those are, you know, I've actually worked in one, two, and three. So that's good. Um, and it hasn't been a lot, you know, it's been afternoon once, Evening when I was at Sirius XM and uh, 
basically mornings though. Mornings have been my bread and butter for a very long time. And I've worked with some wonderful people. Matter of fact, um, Free, Free, formerly of 106 and Park, Free Marie, radio personality in her own right, hit me up today. And it's always good to hear from people that uh, haven't heard from in a while. You know, we just check up on each other. And that's the beauty of having those relationships when it comes to radio and television and film. And very proud of my girl, Malika Maletta. Just saw her on a television commercial. We did mornings together briefly at Power 105. And she's the voice of, um, is it For My Man or Fatal Attraction? Well, I think it's Fatal Attraction. That voice you hear narrating Fatal Attraction is the one and only Malika Millette. Or is it For My Man? It's one of them. No, I think it's Fatal Attraction. But I'm very proud of her. She's been doing a lot of great things for a very, very long time. And it was an honor and a privilege just to uh, work with her when we were doing morning radio. So from morning radio, of course, other opportunities presented themselves, um, some new opportunities coming in. And matter of fact, here is Mr. Chris Morrow himself. So let's get this interview started. Chris Morrow, hello, sir. Hey, man, what's happening? How are you, man? Thank you, first of all, for being uh, taking the time out of your day. I know you're super busy over there. Come on, it's an honor, please. No, come on, man. It, it, it's my honor, man, because as I was just saying to the to the audience that listens to this podcast, it was the late, great Combat Jack, your partner, that got me into podcasting in, right. in the first place. And the story goes, he came down here to do a live podcast, and he asked me to be a guest on it, and I said, yeah. And I thought it was me and a few other people and it was just me for like right. three hours and there was people in the room like 200 300 people and i couldn't believe it and and after that he was like yo man you gotta start podcasting you know you have a lot of stories and people like to hear them and things like that so you should start podcasts i knew nothing about it and he literally took me under his wing and showed me step by step how did you go from premier radio network which is an arm of Clear Channel, which is a, a, a comfy position to be in, in the position that you were in to starting Loudspeakers Network. How did you do that and why did you decide to do that? Well, you know, I'd been working at Premiere, which, you know, obviously you're familiar with, um, but I was never really like a radio guy per se. And, you know, you know what I mean? There are people who their life is radio. Mm -hmm. And I was a writer, honestly. You know, my background was a writer and, Truthfully, you know, working at uh, Premier was was a gig for health insurance. So I kind of had one foot in and one foot out, but I just didn't. I loved, you know, I loved the music. I loved working with the artists and all the people I was working with. But um, I was really just kind of like focused on the writing. And then I kind of stumbled onto a combat show when it was, he was kind of conceived it as a, how did he phrase it? An internet radio show. And he put out a tweet, actually. He, he tweeted out one day, his, his goal for the Combat Jack show when it was first conceived was always to get on the radio. He wanted to be you, essentially. He wanted to be a terrestrial radio star. Yeah, but you and get censored he, when you're a terrestrial radio personality. You get what? You get censored. There's certain things you can and cannot say. I get it. But, at, you know, you got to remember at the time, that was, that was the pinnacle of the profession, right? You're on right. power, you're on hot New York, whatever the case may be. And he was like, I need somebody in radio to help me figure this out. Anybody out there who's who's a radio person who can help me. So I hit him back on Twitter. I was like, I'm kind of a radio guy. Like I know a little bit about the business. I have some access, um, be happy to grab a coffee with you. And uh, we went out 
uh, for coffee. It turns out I knew a bunch of people. He knew me and his cousin that lived next door to each other for years. You know, the, the, there was a common ground right off the bat. And, you know, like one of the earliest things, you know, I tried to say to him is I was like, look, this podcasting thing is just beginning. If, if you think of yourself as an internet radio person, you're in last place. Why not become one of the first hip hop podcasts and go to the front of the pack? And then um, you're not, you're not going to be perceived as someone trying to get on radio. You're going to be perceived as someone doing your own thing and kind of helping blaze a path rather than, you know, trying to get in line. I was like, all right, that makes sense. And then, you know, obviously it kind of got its own momentum and then it was, it was a podcast and we were off. Well, how did, when did you first start realizing that you guys had something with the Combat Jack show? That's a, that's a great question. I don't think we ever really realized we had anything. I think we were always kind of couldn't believe that it was happening. Um, you know, people, a lot of people, when they start things like this, there's a plan, you know, a, a, a literal plan on paper or a plan in their heads at the very least. We really were just making shit up. We were having the time of our lives. Um, you know, we were both guy, you know, I'm married. I got kids, you know, Reggie had a family. Like this was kind of like a second unexpected second wind. It was a real gift to kind of stumble into something like that. And we were just having fun with it. Um, and then we started to sense like, okay, this is real. People are, in the beginning, we didn't think anybody was listening. You know, we, we thought, you know, 100 people, 150 people. Like there was no sense that um, it was really impacting things. And, you know, like there was an incredible freedom to that too. Like you talk about censorship. It's wild stuff was getting said. Why not? What's the difference? We're just talking to a couple of random people out there in the middle of the night somewhere. Um, I think the moment when it started to be like, okay, this is real is probably uh, the Dame Dash interview. I would say like, I think that was the first moment we really felt like, all right, this is actually, we're not just talking about culture, but we're actually influencing it. Like something that happened on this show is now part of the conversation. Right. And I think that was like a really exciting moment for everybody. It probably also was like the beginning of like, now you got to button up a little bit and you know, we got to, <laughs> we got to start taking shit seriously now. Like people are actually listening. Were there platforms out there to get it out? How did y'all get it out to people? Was it YouTube? Where, where were they listening? Was there Spotify? There was no Apple podcast, were there? It was Apple podcasts. So, oh. you know, originally it started as, like I said, internet uh, radio show on PNC. I'm not sure if PNC is around anymore, but that was an internet radio station. Then we kind of reconfigured it as a podcast and uh you know we were also was one of the other things we kind of got lucky in um we were one of the first uh you know shows or then networks to host on soundcloud and what was interesting at the time and i'm probably going back to like 2013 14 right about then soundcloud really wanted to create a presence in podcasting and they went around to some of the biggest names in podcasting and I you know I won't say who it is but like they went around to some of the really biggest names and were like hey we'd love to get you guys hosted on SoundCloud and kind of make this your your home so to speak and th those shows didn't want to have anything to do with SoundCloud because to them SoundCloud was a bunch of young rap fans listening to to rappers that they never heard of and I, we were like oh that's perfect you know like right. SoundCloud that's that's our audience already so we 
like totally gravitated towards it and hosted on SoundCloud. And then from SoundCloud, uh, it blasted out everywhere. At that time, I would say Apple was still like really the dominant force. Like definitely Spotify hadn't really started to like assert itself in the space yet. And that's when it all started. When did it, when did it become a thing like, hey, we can do the loudspeakers network? Because at first it was just the Combat Jack show, correct? Yeah, it was just the Combat Jack show. Uh, it was actually a meeting at the Combat. They had a meeting for the Combat Jack show. You know, at the time there were like six or seven co-hosts on the show. And you know how it is when there's more than one or two people uh-huh. on the mic. It starts, <laughs> to get, it starts to get a little territorial, right? You know, right. so everyone, you know, we had to have a, like a locker room meeting of, um, you know, to discuss who got to talk when and all that sort of stuff. And, you know, every, we met at somebody's house and everybody's arguing and we're drinking and, you know, people are getting upset. And I said, look, you guys can fight over this shit. Let's just start a whole network. Cause then we'll have plenty of shows. Why, why, do, you know, we got all these talent, we got all these people, like, why are we just gonna like have seven people trying to elbow themselves onto the mic all the time? Like, let's start a network. And at the time it was, it was that easy. Oh, wow. You want to start a network? All right, we're going to start a podcast network. How do you start a podcast network? Uh, at the time, you just fucking said you're starting a podcast network and uh, you're off and running. Uh, you know, I had access. I'm not supposed to say where, but I had access to some uh, top of the line studios at the time. Okay. In math. And uh, based on where I was coming from and uh, we started bringing people in late at night after everybody else had gone home. So, uh, <laughs> we had, you know, like things look way more official than they actually were, right? You know, uh-huh. like you're coming in to these beautiful studios. People are like, oh, wow, these guys really got it going. And now they don't know that, you know, I was running around worried all the time that, you know, somebody was going to get broken. Somebody was going to do something. I was going to get fired the next, you know, it was like, it was real kind of like a pirate underground operation, but it, uh, it looked official. So that certainly helped. And I think the other thing uh, that helped with was like, we had really great audio and that might sound like a small thing, but you know, again, this is theater of the mind, you know, videotaping podcasts really wasn't a thing then. It was really a completely audio experience and Combat Jack show sounded amazing because it was being taped in an amazing studio. So even though we didn't have, you know, we never got any investment, we never got any real backing you know if you if you were starting a podcast network today you'd go around and you you know you get all these corporate backers and sponsors and it would be a real uh serious presentation situation back then it was kind of like all right we're starting a network i guess we have a network now right after after so did the people that were on the combat jack show the seven people or eight people did they all start pushing out venturing out and doing their own shows Right. So uh, Dallas Penn and Premium Pete were both um, co-hosts. Mm-hmm. And so the first idea was for them to start a sneaker podcast called Sneaker Fiends, mm-hmm. which in retrospect was like absolutely the right idea. Uh, but and they started and like they were building momentum. And then we only had the ability basically to tape like one other. Basically, what we're doing is we're taping the Combat Jack show in one studio, there was another studio next door. And then I would try to cycle these other shows in at the same time. And I had an engineer running back and forth. Oh, wow. Or, you know, it was like completely chaotic. And at a certain point, I just said to Dallas and Pete, I was like, look, man, like, I can't 
this is crazy. Like we got to get a more official setup and I can only run one uh, show out of there. And we had another show called Fan Bros, which was like a comic book show that was like, and that was really Reggie's passion. Like Reggie wasn't a sneaker guy, but he was, you know, a nerd, you know, like a comic book nerd. And he really wanted to do that. So I was like, we're going to let the comic book show keep taping, but you guys, I'm going to buy you guys equipment and we're going to set you up. Just do it out of your apartment, whatever it is. Like, just let me figure out whatever the next situation is. And, uh, you know, they were like, fuck you, you know, like you don't believe in us, like <laughs> that sort of thing. And they stopped doing it. And, you know, obviously Pete has started, you know, his own show and it's fantastic. And your interview on it was incredible. You know, like that's a, that's a great show, but like, I like to kid Pete all the time. I'm like, yo, you guys should have just stuck with fan, but like just done it at a, not <laughs> just done it like for a week. All I was asking for was a week, but you know, at the time, um, there was just so much going on. We kind of got caught up there. But um, I mean, as you can see now, like sneaker podcast is turning into a big thing. I mean, I think there's actually still room for even more sneaker podcasts to tell right. you the truth. But it's at that time, it was kind of like, what do you mean a sneaker podcast? But now it would be, you know. Yeah, it'd be crazy. How many, how many shows are on Loud Speaker Network now? Uh, it's about 12 right now. A lot of other networks have way more shows. Are you Are y'all very particular about who y'all allow? How do you vet who should be on Loudspeaker Network? Well, you know, like when Reggie and I started, um, the model that we kind of tried to base ourselves off of, and this is going back a while, is, was Def Jam, right? Mm -hmm. And, you know, kind of the analogy I always used was like, if you went to a record store in, the, in the, a certain point in the late 80s, you would see a Def Jam label. You wouldn't know necessarily who that act might be. You might have never heard of them, but you just knew what Def Jam was. You knew that there was like an aesthetic that was going to speak to you, right? And that's kind of what we've always tried to do is like, I can't necessarily say to you like, this is a loudspeaker show or it's not, but there's always, it has to be an aesthetic or an energy, let's call it, that makes sense to the audience. So yeah, you know, I, look, we could have done it the wrong way. You know, maybe we should have, you know, branched off and done a hundred shows, you know, time will tell. But, you know, I think the idea has always been like, there's this energy that kind of started with Combat Jack show. And if, if something feels like it's running parallel to that or is coming from the same place, um, that's something that we, we, should, we should work with. And, you know, my, my belief is the thing that kind of made podcasts kind of pop in the first place was that they were organic. And I really believe in things happening organically and not you know coming from like all right let's try to get rich or you know this is a quick way to make money but like <laughs> do it because you want to do it and I think we're at a time in podcasting right now where that's not really the main kind of mentality right like obviously a lot of people are looking at the space right now and being like all right how do I get in like this is this is where I got to be I don't you know yeah I don't necessarily want to do a podcast. I don't have an idea, but I just know I need to be here because this is. That's the wave. It's the wave, right? Right. Mm -hmm. And look, you've seen it. If you try to catch a wave and you're not really a surfer, it's probably not going to work out. You know, yeah, so you know, right. and, and another problem is a lot of podcasters, they don't stick to it. They think that they're supposed to monetize it immediately as soon as they do their first podcast. And it doesn't work like that at all. You have to really love that and, and stick with it and try to figure out what your voice is and what, what angle you're coming from on your podcast. Yeah, I mean, the thing I've always, I told people 
this back in 2012 and I tell people this today, you should do a podcast because you want to do a podcast, right? And it sounds very simple, but that's really the truth. Like you should do a podcast because you really want to get on Mike and talk about sneakers or comic books or rap, you know, whatever the case may be. And then if you do it long enough, the first thing that's going to happen is it's going to amplify everything else that you're doing, right? Like everything else that's in your world, because there's nobody who just does one thing anymore. You can't just be one thing anymore. You have to have a million hustles, right? Right. The podcast is going to amplify those. It's going to turn people on to maybe a book you're working on or a TV project or a clothing line or the restaurant, whatever the case may be, right? You know, and that's the first level. And then if it still keeps clicking and you stick with it and people really feel that you're like committed to it, then you'll also start to see money. But like, if you jump into it just because you're like, all right, this is the next check, you're probably going to be disappointed. Yeah, absolutely. And, and you just alluded to books. You've done a lot of books, six New York Times bestsellers. What was the first one that you've done and how did that come about? Uh, the first book that I, well, I wrote a book about uh, reggae album covers years and years ago. That was kind of like my first book. And that was really just because I was a fan and I was working at a art book publisher at the time that was doing really well making, I don't know if you remember them, there was a series of art books about blues album cover artwork and then jazz, the blue note. Uh, right. And I was like, hey man, I got a lot of reggae covers that are fucking incredible too. Like, let's let's just do a book about that. And they're kind of like, you sure? And I was like, yeah, you know, so I kind of pitched them on that and I did that. And then the, you know, the, the working kind of with like the celebs things, I just sort of stumbled into that too. Um, I think the first one I did was a book called Do You with Russell Simmons. And uh, actually it came through the radio thing. I'd been hired. If you remember, he had inspirational minutes on, yes. uh, I think it was Power. Yeah, was he Power. did. Uh-huh. Yeah, inspirational minute. And they needed somebody to help him write those. So they hired me to write those with him. And I did that with him for about a year. And uh, at the end of it, I was like, yo, man, I think we could turn these into a book. And he was like, oh, yeah, yeah, of course. That's what we were going to do. You know, like, <laughs> true, true Russell fashion. So, uh, yeah, it became a book and it was a bestseller. And it's like anything else. If you do one, if you, you know, if you prove that you can do something and deliver and make it happen, then other, other opportunities, you know, open up. And you've also worked with 50 Cent. What was that experience like? Oh, I love 50. He's incredible, man. Um, you know, I felt bad because that book came out like right when the pandemic broke. I think it dropped in in March. So, you know, I think, you know, I think like there were some people who were like, don't drop it because everybody's holding their books. And then other people are like, nah, this is the time to do it. But he did drop it and it, it became a bestseller too. And, uh, you know, that was just really an honor to get to work with him. Like he's, I mean, you know, you know, but like his energy is just like out of this world. Like it's just like, you kind of try to like keep up with him basically. Does does he take the time to sit down with you and tell you what he wants? Or or is it kind of like you got to move when 50 move and get bits and pieces and snippets here and snippets there? Or did y'all take time out? specifically weekly to talk about the book and deal with the book. No, 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 no. Yeah. We, we would meet, uh, I'd say, yeah, weekly. And he was locked in, man. Like even, even some people, you know, who work with him kind of took me aside and were like, 
yeah, we haven't really seen him like this on something like he was really into it and talking about it and like was was very, very, you know, like passionate about it, I would say. Um, to the point where I was like, yo, man, I can't really keep up with you, man. Like we've been working for like <laughs> Tell me, tell me something about 50 Cent that you found out that you were surprised about. Oh man, that's a good question. Um, what did I find out about him? Well, I don't know if I was surprised by anything because, you know, one of the things you got to do is um, you got to really research people, right? Like to, to, to work effectively on this. Um, I think the, so, you know, I knew a lot about his story, like I had to, but um, I think the thing that surprised me that maybe other people might not know about him is like, we'd have a lot, really long conversations, some about the book, some not about the book. And like, he'll change his mind, you know, like he's a listener, I guess is the thing that surprised me. Like, and I don't think people understand that about him because he's like so confident and so kind of sure of his, but he, he's really an incredible listener. Like he's one of these guys who I think is soaking everything up all the time and observing everything. And maybe he'll let you know about some of the stuff he's picked up and maybe other stuff he'll keep a little closer to the vest, but like he's listening. And I think he's listening to everybody too. Like, I think, uh, you know, and I'm sure you've seen it. Like there, there's certain people when they get to a certain place in life, I think they think that like, I don't need these people's opinion because they haven't done X, Y, and Z. I'm only listening to these people up here. And I think that's a mistake. And I think he's never fallen in that trap. I think he's listening to everybody. You know, I think he told me something. I forget how he phrased it, but he was kind of like, if I was riding the subway, I would be watching every single person on the subway and picking up on everything that everyone's wearing and doing. Like, he's just someone who's just constantly soaking up information. And that, I think that was something that kind of surprised me or if not surprised me, definitely impressed me. Once you started working with uh, Russell Simmons and 50 Cent, you did two books with Charlemagne. Did your um, writing career kind of like, okay, now it's word of mouth that this guy, Chris Morrow, is, is incredibly dope. Are people seeking you out now to write for them? Yeah, sometimes. I mean, not that but much. Is it something I'm... that you got to be interested in doing? Like if somebody came to you, you and got... said, hey, I want to write, want you to write this book about me. Yeah, I'm actually dealing with that right now. Um, <laughs> is it my, something you don't want to do? My problem, man, is I'm a worker. You know what I mean? Like, I'm allergic to turning down work. I don't know what it is. But, <laughs> like, even if it doesn't make sense, I'm kind of like, I don't know if I'm neurotic or paranoid, but I never want to say, like, no, I can't. I'm, you know, I'm past that. You right. know, and you, you could say, like, hey, I just finished a bestseller with 50 Cent, like, there's not a lot of places you can go past that in some ways, but in other ways, I'm like, who am I to turn down a job? So yeah, I'm kind of dealing with that right now, but there are also some people I'm talking to right now that I'm, I'm really excited about working with them. So can you, you tell? Know, probably a little early, probably okay. a little early, okay. but, uh, but yeah, it's, it's, it's one of those jobs where it's like, um, you can't really be a self promoter because nobody wants to work on a project like this with someone who's trying to wave their own flag. You know, okay. like the, the story I always tell is like, um, 
remember like uh what was it we are all the world what was the saying uh quincy jones told everybody like you got to check your ego at the door right. right like if working with celebrities and telling their story the first thing you do when you walk in is you check your ego because at the end of the day like people don't care what chris morrow thinks about this it's what 50 thinks or charlotte you know like right it's their stories and they're writing them i'm really just there to uh to help the process at the end of the day like but, but also to mold the process to mold it and you know and i can give advice i can say hey i think it'd be great if you talked about this right now or you know get into this but like you know it's their name on a book and at the end of the day um the thing i always try to tell people is like there's something about a book which carries a little bit more weight than most things you're going to do right like the book is like literally the final word on you right um so every i've been so hesitant to uh we're write. waiting on you man I, i'm we're so hesitant i'm so afraid you. i'm so afraid because i feel like i'm i'm closing the chapter like it's like that's my life bam it's over and i got so many more things i want to do and so many it's more interesting you say that because i was literally talking to uh a uh book agent about this yesterday and it's like it's not some of the most effective uh <clears throat> sorry books or you know memoirs are the ones that stop at a certain point right so like there's we, the one we were talking about is i just got finished uh reading flea from the red hot chili peppers his book right i wasn't the biggest red hot chili peppers fan to be honest with you and the book starts from his childhood and it ends the day they sign their first record deal right oh wow so if you had said to me coming in like hey do you want to read a book about flea and it's not even going to talk about the chili peppers it's going to end when they start i was i don't care what you know that's the only thing i care about right, right. Like, <laughs> and this book was incredible it was incredible like i have so much respect for that guy now i'm so interested in him now just because he was able to his whole life was fascinating and it stops when he's like 19 or 20 right right there's uh patty smith just kids again i if i've listened to a patty smith song i don't know i've probably heard it but like i'm not a fan and the same thing starts in her childhood ends when she's like 26 or 27 the book is amazing it's right incredible and sometimes it's a little easier that way if you say, all right, I'm going up to, you know, when I was 30, right? When I was, whatever the case is, you'll know where the, the mark is because you're right, it's scary. Like, you don't want to say like, all right, this, the end. No one wants to write that when you're, still, <laughs> when you're still telling your life. But think about how crazy your life was up until your late 20s, yeah. you know what I mean? Yeah, till 30. Because really, you know, like, to me, the way these books are effective is like, you're capturing a moment in time, right? You're telling your story, but you're also capturing a moment in time, you know, like, and I think, like, you know, for your example, like, that's what would be so interesting to me, you know, like, what was, what was that era like, you know, like, I was a fan, like, I remember, like, Who's the man, you know, like how crazy was probably trying to put that together, right? Yeah. You know, like I was thinking about that the other day. I was like, yo, that was really one of the first hip hop movies, you know, right. where it was like, we're going to get all these rappers together and put them in Everybody movie. in the damn movie. And people were like, that's crazy. You know, like that. What, yeah. it's kind of, it felt like it was like 
just kind of like something like, you know, like, oh, these guys are just kind of doing like this one off thing. And I'm like, no, no, no. These guys were like 15 years ahead of where it was going. Right. So like, can you capture that, that period? Can you capture that moment? And if you can do it, like people aren't going to care that it cuts off, you know, in 1994 or whatever the case, you know, like whatever it is, like, if you can capture it, you got, you got something. And then that also gives you the ability to keep, to, to write the second half. Absolutely. What's your, what's your passion? What you have loudspeakers network, you have bestsellers. What's next? What, what's Chris Morrow want to do next? Film, television, you want to write for film? You want to write a, want to write an Oscar winning film? What, what do you want to do, bro? I don't know, man. I mean, I'd like to, I'd like to, grow out loudspeakers and kind of like get it in a more cemented place because, you know, obviously like it's been my baby and it was Reggie's baby. And, you know, it was, I'll put it like this, you know, like I've always been like a fan of hip hop culture and, but felt like a fan, you know, never necessarily felt like I was contributing to it. Like kind of like, and I'd always wondered like, what would it, it been like to been at like the source in the first days of the source or, you know, like what would it have been like to been on the air back when it all first started, you know, whatever the case may be to work at Def Jam, you know, when they were on Elizabeth street, like I, as a fan, I was always like, oh man, like it would have been so incredible. And, you know, not to say that like loudspeakers, you know, is on the level of any of those things, but like I got to experience kind of starting something from scratch and at a time, you know, again, like I said earlier, like we're in our forties, you know, like it wasn't, we weren't 20 year old. That's when you're supposed to do shit like that. Like you're supposed right. to do when it 19, when, right? Hey, I got an idea. Dude. I got an idea and we're going to stay out all night and we're going right. to sleep on couches and, you know, like, no, like I, you know, I got to get home by 1030. You know, my kids are going to bed and I got to take them, to sleep. you know, like it was right. kind of like unexpected, but maybe also more exciting. So like, it was, it was really like a privilege to get to, have that experience and to kind of like create something out of scratch and build it up and to actually have people like be impacted and care about it. But having said all that, like you see where podcasting is at now, like it's corporate. Yeah. Corporate. And maybe there's room to kind of keep doing it as the wild west or some form of it. But like, um, you know, I, I think I gotta, you know, make sure that it's situated and take, care of so that whatever sort of basis established it can continue to exist and not just kind of become like uh you know you don't want to you know you want to be the you know Def Jam was Def Jam but then it had to become part of yeah Columbia and everything else yeah that's that's kind of the nature of things so you know that's that's one of my stuff and then yeah just more writing um you know I care about music basketball a little bit of politics, like <laughs> any, anything in those those genres, I'm I'm good. Chris, was there ever a point after Reggie passed that you guys said we're not doing this anymore? Nah, nah. Um, with the show, obviously, yeah, but um, not with the network. No, no, no. We, uh, you know, we we owed it to him, and uh, you know. You know, his his passing was like such a strange kind of like surreal moment. Like it almost doesn't feel real now. But like, you know, we got to spend time together, um, you know, before he passed. We got to spend a fair amount of time and talk. And, you know, so I, I knew 
that wasn't something he was thinking about. Mm. You know, it was more like, nah, you got to keep it. You got to keep it going for sure. Right. Make it bigger. Blow it up. Yeah. I mean, it's it's part of his legacy. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. I call him the podfather. The podfather, <laughs> man. Yeah, I call him the podfather. I don't care what they call my man from uh, ESPN and Simmons, right? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I don't care what they call him. I I, I call Reggie our podfather because Reggie really, really showed us a way. He showed he showed us something that a lot of us never even knew about and gave us a voice that we could have never even imagined having. I know podcasting because of him has changed my life completely. Like it's it's a different thing. I, don't, I really don't know how to explain it sometimes, Chris. It's different from somebody saying, yo, I listen to your radio show, then yo, man, your podcast is dope. Like, I can hold you for an hour with no music? They know, you know that they're invested in you. You know that they yeah. fuck with you. Yeah. Right? Yeah, they fuck with me. It's more intimate. Yeah, and it's more personal. Because if you can yeah. capture somebody for that long without having to worry about what their favorite song is or whether or not you're going to play that song or them staying for commercials. You know, when, when actually I'm on the air on the radio, terrestrial radio, I think I got people. I'm great. If I got people for a half an hour, you know what I mean? Because soon as the commercials hit, they like this, but they're invested in your shit. If they can tell you exactly what you said at the 34 minute of a damn podcast. Right. Because they've been listening. They listen. And sometimes they'll say, man, I didn't catch it all. But when I, I was moving around, then I got home. I listened to the rest of it. It was dope. I didn't know you guys talked about that. It's that's that's That makes it all worthwhile for me. Well, it'll be interesting because, you know, the thing I always say is, like, people are getting the red meat now. And the podcast is the red meat. You know, it's like once once you give the dog the red meat, do they still want the canned food anymore? No, hell no. They say we want the red meat. Hell no. That. Hell so, no. You know, it's going to be it's going to be a challenge for terrestrial radio, but it's also going to be a challenge for podcasting because, and you know, like this is the thing I don't think people have like fully wrapped their heads around. But there hasn't. I mean, you know how it is in terrestrial radio. There are standards, and you can say this during this hour, and you can't yeah. say that during that hour. And if you do this, there's the FC. None of that applies to podcasting. But my right. question is the more money comes in when is one of the corporate dollars going to say hold on let me let me look under that hood what what exactly is going on there what exactly are you guys talking about you know so be careful what you wish for sometimes you know like yeah yeah because once people start putting their money into things they start controlling the narrative and what you can say and what you can't say what's the status with tax stone right now he was one of the biggest on the last speakers network uh, you know, it's unfortunate, man. He's, he's just kind of waiting. Um, there's not a date on a trial yet. Wow. Um, it seems like, now, hasn't it? uh, I might have it wrong, but I feel like I was just told it's the fourth year. Fourth year with no trial date. Don't quote me on that, but that's, that's wow. what I, what, what's, do you know what the holdup is? Uh, I think, you know, I think COVID was a big part of it. Um, you know, I don't know specific to his case, but I, you know, I know that people are uh, doing trials over Zoom and like, you know, that's wow. that's not optimal. You know, you don't want right. you don't want your future decided over Zoom. You know, so 
I think it's, you know, I think it's just kind of like a waiting game with his situation. And, you know, I did talk to him um, maybe a couple months ago, you know, and I know COVID was a real concern too, because, you know, as we know, what's happening in the jails right now with COVID is really scary. Like there's no, you know, prevention. Um, you're kind of good luck, you know? So I know that was, wow. that was something he was, he was definitely concerned about. No mask. They're not giving them mask, mask, no mask, nothing, nothing. They're hanging there. They're there. And you know, there's, there, you know, there's no social, no social distancing. And, and you're, you're, and you're, 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 you're in the face at the end of the day. Right. Wow. I know that. When you talk to him, please give him my best. And Absolutely. I pray for him. And, and I mean, if, there, if there's any way you can get in touch with me, let me know if people, if there's a way that people can write to him or, or get in touch with him, if he needs something on his books or something like that. He has a huge fan base, and I'm quite sure a lot of people would, would like to contribute. Shit, maybe we should start a tax stone GoFundMe page or something. You know, it might be. Let me let me look into it. I don't know if there's something like that, but um, I'm sure he'd appreciate it for sure. You know, it's that's a long time. You know, yeah, it is. That's a long it's time. A long time. And, and, and it's tough getting caught up in the system because once you're in that system, they don't they don't have. There's no such thing as really a speedy trial. They don't they they don't care. They just they're gonna take their time because you're the one that's got to sit down and wait on them. So it's it's really 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 difficult. Uh, I know you said you're working on some new stuff, some new books and stuff like that. And you can't tell us who you're working with right now. You got to keep that close to the vest. But when you're finished, let's do that at Lover Book, bro. Hey, man, I know you got the stories. The question let's is, do it. are you going to come off it. them? Are you going to come off them? Uh, absolutely. After, there's a lot All of right. them that I'm holding that I don't tell a lot of people that I know. I know some shit, okay? I'm going to tell it. I'm telling Every fucking thing, all of it, bro. I want to read it. I want to read it. <laughs> You're gonna be the one to write it, Chris. Thanks for joining me, man. Yeah. I appreciate it. Absolutely, Ed. Much love to you and the family, bro. I'll talk to you soon. All right, man. You just let me know. All right, my brother. Chris Morrow in the building Peace. with me, y'all. It's, it's come on, son. The podcast. Come on, son. Come on, son. This episode of Come On, Son, the podcast is being brought to you by Prince Harry and Meghan Markle. No, I'm only playing. <laughs> nah, nah. <laughs> nah. Y'all keep going first. Everything else will fall into place. We'll talk at y'all next week, man. Y'all know what it is. Come on, son. This episode of Come On, Son, the podcast is produced and engineered by co-executive producers Krista Hayes and Kimana Paulus in downtown Chicago. This is an official Loudspeakers Network podcast. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. Listen to every MLB game live. In the deep left center field, it is high, it is far, it is gone. Stream minor league affiliates. The Midwest League home run leader. And watch the best baseball highlights and look-ins on MLB Big Inning. MLB at bat is your all-in-one live baseball subscription for only $3.99 per month. Deep left field, it's going to go. Alvarez ties the game. 
Subscribe to At Bat within the MLB app today. Major League Baseball trademarks used with permission.